Greedy, greedy, greedy football owners at some point during the pandemic thought, why don't we take over all football? Why don't we end the Premier League, Serie A, La Liga and all that and put all the money in our hands? The football world said no, but what happened? The Dirty Dozen's incredible cowardice during a pandemic power grab. Was it up for sale? This is Week in the Tackle, a special Super League 101. I'm Tom Rennie, the host of Week in the Tackle, a Sirius XM podcast. Brian Dunseth is here as well, very much the pro Super League part of this presenting team. I'll be playing the part of the common man. I'll be playing the part of, you know, the, the socialist, the person who cares about other people. And you as a Manchester United fan will be playing, I assume the devil in this will be your role. Is that, is that fair? <laughs> the red devil it is, Tom Rennie. And listen, don't think for a quick second that if West Ham was given the opportunity to join, they wouldn't want to be left behind like the others. Oh, this is absolutely true. There is no defending of the moral compass of the pornographers that own West Ham United on this program. There is absolutely no way for cash they wouldn't have shafted the entire world. Um, but unfortunately, they didn't get invited. Maybe that's what went wrong. If they'd invited West Ham, this would have happened. That's We finally worked it out. We don't even need this show now. That's yeah. what went wrong. They only invited the clubs that didn't have enough backbone, whereas the pornographers would have stayed stiff throughout. I don't know where to go with that. <laughs> There's a lot of innuendos coming out of you right now, Tom Rennie. Yes. Listen, this is the reality. It breaks the social contract with the fans. And what is that social contract? The social contract is, hey, we want to have a say. If you are going to take away all of what is pure, is gold, is perfect, and then say, you guys get in because you take the risk, we're out, but hey, there's five spots to be available to be granted to the best of the rest, I was never going to fly. Never going to fly, despite the idea, Tom Rennie, that I think at the end of the day, um, it wouldn't kill football. But it would most definitely augment football financially. All right. All right. Hold your horses. Keep your gun in your holster for a minute. So, look, let's lay out what this is, right? This is the Week in the Tackle podcast. We're doing this every week, going through the big stories of the week. But this is one of the biggest stories to come out of the world of soccer in... When's the last time they tried to steal football? Eight months ago? October? So it's the biggest story <laughs> in eight months since yeah. the previous time that they tried to steal football, these super clubs, these self-proclaimed big clubs. Uh, and we just thought it was worth doing a, a special discussion here because we can't fit it into a normal program on what happened, why did it happen, why did it collapse, and where do we go from here? And the where do we go from here is a very big conversation right now because at the moment as we record the program, there has been no definitive punishment, and it feels like the appetite for punishment is, well, they've been embarrassed enough at this mm. point, haven't they? And, and that's not something I would necessarily agree with. But let's just break down how this fell apart so quickly, because, I mean, from the first report I read of this, now, of course, that is not strictly true because we've been talking Super League since about 1980. Like this story comes around as the boogeyman of European football over and over again. Give us what we want or we form a Super League because we're the most powerful teams. And Seb Blatter and Michel Platini and Infantino and Alexander Seferin, you name it. Any bureaucrat that's been through UEFA and FIFA in the last 30 or 40 years have all said, OK, Real Madrid, 
What can we give you? Would you like my underwear? Would you like to sleep with my wife? Would you like all the food in my cupboards? Would you like my car? Would you like my house? Just don't leave us. It's been going on forever and a day. But this particular iteration of the so-called breakaway Super League, the first I heard of this was UK time, two o'clock on Sunday, April the 18th, 2021. We had the project big picture nonsense, which was, okay, English football's in trouble. Why don't we give all the power to Manchester United? I think that'll save the day. I think that's really going to help Plymouth. Um, insert details later. We had all that. They said they had learned. They learned nothing. At two o'clock on Sunday, that's UK time, we heard that Arsenal, Chelsea, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United and Tottenham were all supporting this European Super League. The great thing, and I want to start here, the great thing about this is that we got a little bit ahead of the news because there was a, something going on in Spain, some luncheon or dinner or some tapas thing they were doing. And Joanne Laporta of Barcelona let it slip to Javier Tabas, who runs La Liga. We're going to do this breakaway, you know. I don't know if you had a few too many sangrias. I don't know. Just let the cat out of the bag to the one man you should not have told early who mm. immediately went on to call Alexander Seferin. So, Danny, I would say when something is leaking all over the place, like a dike with a thousand holes and you haven't got enough thumbs, I would suggest already, organisationally, it's falling down. Before launch, things shouldn't go wrong, should they? Well, After launch, I, fine. Beforehand. Tom Rennie, on top of this, we're talking about Javier Tebas, if I'm not mistaken, was trying to organize a, an official La Liga game in Miami not too long ago. So yes. when we talk about moving the goalposts, I think it's we need to make it very clear that there really are no heroes in this. Maybe the heroes are the fans or the supporters around the world, not just you know locally going outside the stadium in, in, in whatever town that you support and making their voices heard. That's an important element. But the fact that the social media element was so strong, along with the media pundits, media members, former players that came out, and as well as coaches and current players in these respective teams that have been named, um, all of this turns into this fascinating dichotomy of a conversation of what is right, what is wrong, and what is socially right, what is socially wrong. Again, augmenting financially what the future of the sport looks like is fine. I mean, oh, by the way, in the midst of this, we should probably point out that UEFA dropped their Champions League 36-team oh, no. format. <laughs> this is so huge, by the way, that Jose Mourinho sacking, but Daniel Levy sacking Jose Mourinho at Spurs totally goes under the radar. How pissed we is We couldn't Jose? even stick the boot in to Jose Mourinho. How pissed is he that he doesn't get the proper respect uh, and shine that he deserves for getting sacked in 17 months at Spurs? But I digress. The only manager ever sacks. <laughs> the only Super League manager ever sacks. That's history. <laughs> he lasted, That's special. What, eight hours? Eight hours. So Jose is the special one. So this whole thing, Juan Laporte, by the way, the new president of Barcelona, Mm. weeks in charge after coming back and going to save the day in the midst of a $1.6 billion deficit. Let's it slip to Tebas. Tebas picks up the phone, calls Seferin. Seferin gets in his Audi, decides to drive to Switzerland to make sure he's boots on the ground to deal with this. Who's the first call he me he, he makes? Juventus's Andrea Agnelli. Lovely Why? man. I hear lovely things. Why He's the kind of person you invite to a barbecue or, um, if you want to see your house burned down <laughs> and your wife kidnapped. And, and or the guy who asks you to be the godfather of his youngest daughter because My your goodness. name is Alexander Seferin, the head My of goodness. UEFA. So 
for those that don't know, Agnelli is the head of the ECA. This is basically, he's the leader of all of the clubs in Europe, all of the football clubs in Europe. Agnelli doesn't pick up. This is in the midst of literally agreeing to a new Champions League format that is going to be announced on Monday. This is Sunday. No conversation from Agnelli. Seferin actually has to text Agnelli's wife to get him on the phone. At first, everything's okay. He picks it up. He calls Seferin. We should put out a joint statement to deny this. He says, yes, let's do this. Give me 30 minutes. I'll have it rung up. In the midst, think about all those phone calls and play for Agnelli. Another phone call. Then another phone call. Give me 10 more minutes. And then Agnelli shuts his phone off. Imagine being separate. Again, the head of UEFA. The guy, he, you're, you're, he's the godfather of Agnelli's daughter. And the guy's gone rogue. He's gone rogue. Now, is Agnelli the only bad guy in this story? No. Florentino Perez, you've got the Glazers, you've got Ed Woodward, you've got Ivan Gazidis. It's like all bad guys. It's like a suicide squad you'd actually watch. It's a That's suicide what this is. squad of stupidity in what could have been an unbelievable opportunity business-wise that was smartest guys in the room were saying yes, well, yes, yes. Again, and then the yeah, stupidity okay, cool. to roll it out PR-wise. And the the smartest guy in the room, the smartest guy in the room rationale, I don't agree with because if these people were actually smart and not just dealing with mainly like family money or sovereign wealth, they could have got this done. Okay. Their nefariousness and egregiousness of thought could be achieved if they weren't so moronic. Well, and this is the issue with Andrea Agnelli, his extreme <laughs> monumental arrogance playing with his family money and beginning life on third base and acting like he scored a home run. You know, this is who this guy is. And for years, he's wanted this. And, and you mentioned the Seferin thing. Like he said at an event I was at a couple of years ago where he said at, at Atlanta, Atlanta shouldn't be in the Champions League because they're not historically strong enough. Um, Roma should be in it because they're a more traditional Champions League club. And the room kind of guffawed at his latest bad idea but he genuinely believes that. He genuinely believes there's no such thing as meritocracy. There is, we are the royal family of football and you ain't my son. And so you don't get into our tournament. And that informs this whole thing. And it informs the whole thing. If we go back to the timeline, right? Let's go back to the timeline of this. Because you mentioned there that Seferin wanted to put out a joint statement and they couldn't get hold of anyone. Before the official announcement, we did get statements from UEFA, who I think Seferin called Agnelli a snake, which was, you know... <laughs> Yeah, Aggressive. Um, we got a statement from the Premier League. We got a statement from Spain, Italy. Everyone's put out statements saying we denounce any competition that doesn't have sporting merit. And then suddenly at 11.30 UK time, so just before midnight, Sunday, April 18th, all the clubs, certainly the English clubs, I don't think all the foreign, uh, the Spanish and Italian clubs did, which was AC Milan, Atletico Madrid, Barcelona, Inter Milan, Juventus, Real Madrid. They might have all been a bit later, but the English clubs at the same time, in a spirit of coordination, they don't say we're exploring it. They don't say we're thinking about it. They don't say we're having discussions about it. They don't pitch it as it's going to be good for the game. They say it's done. Mm. It is done. We are doing it. We have agreed. No consultation. It's happening, and it's going to be for the good of the game. Um, and then you read the press release. Now, I don't know if you read that press release like I did, but I was, at the time, um, holding um, an acorn, which is not an acorn. A, um, what's the one with the, the various holes on it? Like a conifer bush drops them. It's not an acorn. 
I've, uh, I've loaded them in my house. The wife put, You're talking pine about pine cone. cone. Thank you. you. My yeah. wife's got these in a lovely, it's a winter display. We got into spring, we still got it out. So I'm holding a pine cone um, through sheer rage, trying to cut my own hand, you know, just to feel something. And I'm reading it thinking, this is a joke. I'm in pure rage mode. I've got like Kevin Spacey on the first series of House of Cards, blood dripping down my hands over Abraham Lincoln, thinking, what is this nonsense? But then you start letting go because you think, hold on a minute. This was written by a child. This was written by somebody with absolutely no PR experience at all. They talked about having 15 founder clubs, but they only had 12. They, had they 12. didn't even have the founder clubs ready. Yeah. They didn't. They had a website that was made by a six-year-old on PowerPoint in 1992 saying the Super League. They called it, actually, hold everything. They called it the Super League. After all these years, they didn't even come up with a sexy new brand name. They cut this literally, they were writing a horror film and they called the boogeyman, Boogeyman. This is how dumb these people are. They didn't even come up with an attractive new idea for it. And their press release was, this is revolutionary and it's gonna change football. It's gonna save football. And all of our founder members are gonna give the young people what they want, which is Real Madrid, Barcelona, week in, week out, blah, blah, blah. And then you read it more and they go, but you're going to be, we're all going to play in our domestic leagues. Yeah. And I read that and just thought, in what world are you living in where you think that you can just leave the bride at the altar and still go on honeymoon with her? <laughs> like, and this is what they were suggesting. And of course they went, no, of, like the Premier League, the strongest collective entity when it comes to sport in European football did they think the other 14 were going to go buy Tottenham, mm. enjoy buying all of our players in perpetuity and you'll win our league and you'll kill us. Tell me what they were thinking here, because this is well, what I mean. They had they, a nefarious idea, but they're yeah. thick. They, they are. They are thick. They, they are thick. And this is why I call them the smartest guys in the room, because if you think that they could get to this point where you've got a 177 page document that each individual 12 team has signed by the way PSG Bayern Munich Borussia Dortmund were the three others that they were contemplating uh waiting it was a 15 day to 30 day timeline to officially join but this is the curious nature of this press release it was done we've made the decision we we decided that we are not consulting anybody other than ourselves and we are going to take the monopoly money that Champions League potentially produces and then divests into the individual clubs. Guys, guess what? We secured $3.5 billion from JP Morgan. We are going to give you £400 million per year as solidarity payments for the clubs in your respective league. Hey, we're going to build the Women's League, and it's going to be amazing. Yes. I love how they just dropped that one in. Yeah, it was women's like league. last sentence. Yeah. Last women's sentence league. of the whole thing. Gonna oh, we're going to do a Women's Super League as well. Yeah. Bye. But but think about the television revenue that they must have secured, or at least the financial analysts had predicted. But for example, you know me, I'm a Man United guy. You already threw the Red Devil at me. I'll take it. I'll take the ball and I'll run. Because guess what? If Manchester United television put on these Super League games every time Manchester United played, charged what, five, ten, mm. ten pound per game? Think about the worldwide revenue stream that they have just created. Make no mistake about it. When this announcement was made, there's a reason why Man United stock jumped 10% on the London Stock Exchange. There's a reason why Inter Milan or Juve stock jumped 17% over in the Italian stock. This is because analysts, financial analysts, the smartest people in the room were looking at this saying, this 
can generate billions of dollars. Yes, but it was also a little bit like in, do you have Dragon's Den? What's the Dragon's Den variant you have in America? Shark Tank or something, I think is the variant you have. Yeah, we got Shark Tank. Well, like you sit there and you go to a millionaire and you say, here's my idea. It's called Second Hands. And I'm going to put hands on top of my hands and I'll never touch anything again. So my hands will always remain clean. And someone who is a millionaire, successful businessman goes, yeah, I'll take 30% of your business and here's $4 million. And the idea is idiotic. Just because they are successful, <laughs> money does not mean you're a genius. No, 100%. And that's things the, the world we live in. Tom, that's the rollout. That, that's where we're talking about, again, when, w- listen, what, what we're seeing during this pandemic. We have been, ta- you and I have been talking about this virtually every day on, on whatever platform we have. During this pandemic, it gives you the ideal time to step back throw everything against the wall Mm. and see what potentially works better. We saw that with the way that all the leagues in Europe ended last season, going past what their quote unquote finish date was because they had to, right? There were players playing without contracts yeah, because they were extending the end of the season and it was promotion or relegation. There were battles for, for champions league or Europa league spots. We saw a champions league final that took away, literally changed the format at the end of the tournament to go to Lisbon to play in a single game knockout because we had to. So I think we were naive to assume that during all this time, whether we're talking about project big picture of all of a sudden these top Premier League clubs, we're going to funnel all the money into the championship side, which by the way, talking to Dane Murphy of Barnsley had some really fascinating conversations about how many clubs would have immediately taken that money because of the financial dire straits that they found themselves in. But we should have known this was coming. And, and, but and but I think say, we did. I, I think did. we did know it was coming, but we assumed, I always assumed it was coming, but I assumed they would be, like they would turn up at the shootout with a loaded gun. And this Not is what, this is the thing about it. I assumed <laughs> that they would be fully loaded here considering the complete balls up that was Project Big Picture. Now, I, I just want to move us on a little bit because I, I genuinely think we could talk about this for seven hours. Yeah. And maybe we should do a series on this, I don't know. But let's talk about Monday, right? So here we go. There's suddenly a press release on the Man United website and also the Man City website with Man United co-chairman Joel Glazer on it, with Man City pushing the Man United co-chairman saying, what a wonderful idea this is. Already, your head's exploding. (laughs) Um, You go through Tuesday, the Duke of Cambridge is going to be the King of England at some point. So he's talking about the football community. So the royal family are against this now. You know, they're the arbiters of all morality, moving on swiftly. Um, (laughs) There's the game between Leeds and Liverpool that evening, where Jurgen Klopp, who's a committed socialist, has to front questions about hyper-capitalism and the future of football. And suddenly you think this could be happening here, but then there is the fan power element. Now, I think the fan power element has been overplayed a little bit. I think the fact they weren't on strong legal ground is why this all fell apart. But you can't discount the fact that Leeds fans, Liverpool fans, football fans turned up outside Ellen Road and they stopped the Liverpool bus from getting into Ellen Road. They made their voices very, very clear. Um, the Gary Neville pieces here in England say, on Sky Sports were horse, very, yeah. very powerful. Yep. Um, and Jurgen Klopp even referenced them in his post-match press conference. Um, and they were talking already about what the threat must be, how we stop this. On Tuesday, there was an emergency meeting of the other 14 who said, um, and I have this on good authority, kick them out. That was the prevailing message of the 14. You know what? Everton can be champions five years in a row. West Ham can win the league every now and then. And Americanisters might go, hey, man, this is my American accent. Hey, man, I'm not going to watch the Premier League if, like, man, United aren't in it. I'll tell you what, guys, if you're a football fan, 
and Everton win the league five years in a row and they're playing sensational football and they go into a legitimate Champions League, you will. You will because it's been true since the dawn of time. When the Greek Empire fell, the Roman Empire rose. When the Roman Empire fell, oh, look, it's the Byzantine Empire. That fell Ottoman. That fell British. That fell American. In 10 years, we're all going to be owned by the Chinese. That's what happens. That's what's happened throughout all human history. And it's the same in football. These guys would have gone. The Premier League, quite rightly, the other 14 said, you know what? We can let Tottenham, 1961 First Division champions, wither on the vine. That's fine for us. And we'll do our own thing. And it would have been damaging. Absolutely. I mean, you know, give me the American perspective here because I think it would have been massively damaging. I'm not Mm. just saying we would have all just moved on immediately. We couldn't have just moved on immediately. But I will say that in time, and it would have been 30 years in my estimation, but that's just me picking a number. But it would have taken 30 years to rebuild the Premier League. But all of a sudden, you know, you don't remember that in um, in the UK, it used to be the Whigs and the Conservatives because the Whigs got overtaken by the Liberals and the Liberals got overtaken by the, by the Labour Party. And we've not had a Whig government in 150 years because things move on. I think Everton would have been the new Man U in 30 years and Man U would have been playing Real Madrid 70 times a year. Well, I appreciate your history lesson because you full disclosure, that? I went to Cal State Fullerton for three semesters and never declared a major. Never had study hall <laughs> as well, but I just want you to know. Um, all right, where, where, where would we have gone? I don't know, man. I, I think there would have been a lot of people that would have been highly, highly interested in watching all of these teams play each other. I think there's a financial market for that. I think there's eyeballs for it. And what does that do to the Premier League? Well, you're right. It devastates the Premier League immediately. But I think it devastates every single league. But to be clear, for everyone out there who doesn't understand this, this did not affect the league itself. The teams would still participate each weekend in the league. Now, where it would change, it's not promotion relegation. It's the idea after whoever wins the league, positions two, three, and four, those Champions League spots become irrelevant. Not because Champions League would disappear, but because these huge six teams, it doesn't matter, right? One through four, it doesn't matter. This is another fantastic point, because what did they think was going to happen to the Champions League? Did they think the Champions League were going to go, oh, well, I suppose it's yours now. We won't do any more tournaments. Is that what they actually thought? It would have been Champions League would be Europa League 1. Europa League would be Europa League 2. That's that's essentially what... It's the same thing with, like, the FA Cup and the Gummy Bear Cup. Where's the level (laughs) of priority in all of this? Hey, you say that about a drink like Carabao. Oh, yeah. Right. I mean, I tell you what, we might have right. some fallouts on this podcast, but Carabao, <laughs> I, if you I, ever do want to run 100 meters <laughs> in 15 seconds flat and yeah. then vomit, it's yeah. the perfect drink. So I, I, can we add vodka to it and we'll do the, the Jamie Vardy party? It sounds amazing. I, I'd, be the, I'd, I'd be the fastest defender in the league right now. Um, yeah, no one believes that. We saw you play. I, that's true. I could jump and I could kick the ball really far. Now, and your hair was fantastic as well, was, to be fair. It was. The short, long of Sugar Ray days is nothing. You were Justin about. Bieber before Justin Bieber was even conceived. I prefer Sugar Ray. Bring it down a notch. I didn't have those high aspirations. Sugar Ray. Um, now, where do we go from <laughs> That here? took me a few seconds to remember do Sugar you remember Ray. remember Sugar Ray? I just want to <laughs> fly, Now it's man. so accurate. So, you know, I think the one thing we pointed out, right? We, we pointed out, I think, Gary Neville did a phenomenal job. He became kind of the Trojan horse for media members to recognize that they did have a platform to come out against this idea. Number two, I think whether we're talking about Kevin De Bruyne, we're talking about Marcus Rashford, we're talking about Jordan Henderson, we're talking about Kenny Dalglish, uh, Jurgen Klopp, or Pep Guardiola, the power of their voices being heard 
after what I thought was there was an organic there's an organic truce that was broken between the club owners and decision makers and mm-hmm. the manager and his players. And that organic truth was honesty, transparency. Now, I'm not naive. I don't I don't I don't pretend to think that Jurgen Klopp or Pep Guardiola or Ole Gunnar Solskjaer had to be in every single meeting with the clubs about what their business dealings were were about, what their plans were, what their future looked like, what the commercial assets looked like. But I think this cloak and dagger movement behind the scenes to create a 177-page document to then sign to promise yourselves to this Super League, I, I, I think we have to be naive to think that feelings weren't hurt. That yeah, but I mean, the, the thing is that contract you mentioned, I think it's really interesting because, you know, it is more than a club, as, as a lot of these clubs like to suggest, because they can sell you stuff. Hmm. Um, but it is more than a club because, you know, people talk about, oh, it's a business now. It's a business where well, you can walk away from Walmart. You yeah. can walk away from, you know, Marks and Spencer, I suppose, would be a British equivalent of that. You know, these heritage brands you can walk away you're not grandfathered in to marks and spencer you don't always shop at walmart because you know papa dunseth took you in 1970 for the first time and it's the first time you ever bought a gummy bear and so you always go to that place (laughs) ain't how it works it it is different and that leads us to tuesday's fallout because we've got to monday it didn't go well for Liverpool Leeds. Uh, it was a, it was a tough night for everybody. Klopp handled it as best as he could. Um, midnight Tuesday, so going in end of Monday, it started Tuesday. UK times. I'm doing it in European times. It's happening in Europe. Uh, Florentino Perez did this interview on Spanish TV. Now we haven't got time to go through all the quotes from Florentino <laughs> Perez, but I can only assume that it was was the date 4:20 and had he eaten a brownie. I think it was 4:20 when this happened. Um, and, and we I were mean, live, my Tom. goodness, we we yes. were live on air when this interview was happening. I mean, it's leaking to you on air, and like as he's saying, and he's saying things like, "16-year-olds don't want to watch football." I'd heard the the suggestion of selling 10-minute chunks to people previously. I mean, some of the or some of the other stuff. I mean, it was insane some of the stuff he was saying about. It, it was the Football's ramblings of a man who knew nothing yeah. about football. Yeah. Football's too long. Games are terrible. I mean, he hates it. He, 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 hates literally, it. he literally just won his fifth term as president of Real Madrid days before. Days before. And then he rolls himself out there. Now, think about this. So, again, Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Juventus, Inter Milan, AC Milan, Chelsea, Arsenal, Spurs, Man City, Man United, Liverpool. How many people did they have to go through that said, no, I don't want to be the face. I don't want to front this. For us to turn to a 74-year-old Florentino Perez just days into winning his fifth term as Real Madrid president. No, I mean, but the thing is, again, you mentioned Laporta earlier on, and we mentioned Perez here, and Agnelli is the boogeyman of this entire thing. The trouble is that they have such a financial advantage in their countries. I mean, you want to see the graph. Uh, the Swiss Ramble put out, or a company that leaked this kind of financial information about football clubs, of the income inequality in Spain, the sheer vastness of wealth that Real Madrid and Barcelona have hoarded before everybody else. They are already miles in front of everybody else, but their sheer business incompetence has got them to a position where they're a billion in debt. And we can talk about the COVID crisis, and I don't discount that at all from their financial losses, but they're not insulated from losses, because even in the interview for Florentino Perez's giving, where he's talking about we've got to try and save football. Football is a fi- in a financial mess when he means, you know, Real Madrid. He was still talking about trying to sign Kylian Mbappe, hmm. which goes to show how utterly deluded this person is. And I think people saw that and went, 
Oh my sweet baby Jesus. This is the man we put in charge of this. Uh, and it's already falling apart immediately. We get to the next night. Chelsea are playing. Brighton, Hove, Albion. I'm on air on Sirius doing the game. And the game is delayed by 15 minutes. And we're like, oh, okay, what's happened? You know, we're, we're not in a position to see what's happening outside Stamford Bridge. And people are sending me video after video after video after Petr Cech getting out of the Chelsea coach. He's still on the playing staff at Chelsea, but of course he's uh, in the hierarchy at the club as well. It's a whole thing. We've got no time to get into that right now. And he's a load of Chelsea fans, young people, by the way, who Perez says hates football, can't watch it, too busy. Tweeting, and I am tweeting. Actually, they're, in, they're TikToking, aren't they? I know, kids. And um, <laughs> Petr Cech's going, I'll sort this out. I'll sort this out. You can already see everyone is flapping in the breeze right now about this. Suddenly yeah. it's a bad idea. Yeah. At the same time, the Premier League have had their 14 club meeting where they say rule rule L9, if you sign up for a tournament that's not officially sanctioned, you will be disciplined. And that includes being thrown out of the Premier League, which is something Richard Masters, chief exec, has not taken off the table. Spain has said something similar. Uh, Serie A have said something similar. Uh, similar. Alexander Seferin, who's livid that his uh, family friend, Andrea Agnelli, has stabbed him in the front and back and balls simultaneously. And he's done a similar statement saying, well, you can't play in the Champions League, son. You can't play in the Europa League. You can't play in the World Cup. He's basically saying right now to Kevin De Bruyne, he's saying it to Cristiano Ronaldo at Juventus. He's saying it to Karim Benzema, who's not going to get picked. That's a terrible one. But you know what I mean? He is yeah. telling you all these players, you know that World Cup that you dreamed about when you were a boy? That's dead because Florentino Perez is bad at maths. Mm. And that's just, it's a huge threat. And they're all coming well, out. It's falling in on itself. And then from that point, from that game through to, I think it was about 10.50, 11 o'clock that night. So kickoff was 8.15 UK time. Just for 11 o'clock, we got United, Liverpool, Arsenal, Tottenham. Already we'd had City and Chelsea. By midnight on day two, all of these clubs from England, yeah. where the money is, by the way, they have all pulled out. And it's incredible. If you had gone away for two days, you would not have had to have your neighbor come into your house to feed your cat in the amount of time the Super <laughs> League went from, we're definitely doing it, it's going to revolutionize football, to, oh my goodness, what are we doing? We are morons, it is done. Well, I thank you for confirming that you're a cat guy because you would have never made that analogy. Oh, no, I've killed several cat. cats. <laughs> I've killed Bear all my neighbor's hands. cats. They keep asking Bear me. They went away hands. for five days. I've killed eight cats. This, this is... Dogs you know, to, all the way, baby. To, to your point, in the middle of the Chelsea game, when Man City were the first to put out the statement and reverse course, what I was wondering behind the scenes of how many... Because, listen, Man City didn't need the money. They didn't need the money. You think about the, the financial numbers behind Man City. Did they really need the money? No, come on. Again, no this chance. goes to your point earlier. Yeah. There is no hero in this. The moral arbiter yeah. are the sovereign wealth fund of Manchester City who are upsetting the Premier League apple cart to such a degree yep. with their dirty, dirty money. And, we and they're the heroes. We've miscalculated. We've misread the room. And, 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 and where, I, where I have wondered is what type of conversations were happening behind the scenes with Sefferin. Now, let's take a step back. Tom Rennie, who is now the president of the ECA, replacing Andrea Agnelli. It's a guy named Nasser Al-Khalifi. For those that don't know, Nasser Al-Khalifi is the man behind PSG. Also, one of the decision makers behind Qatar and the World Cup. Also, a certain television station called BN Sport. A certain PSG that also ran afoul with UEFA for financial fair play not too long ago. 
And remember the accusations at the feet of Man City not too long ago about financial fair play. Is there a direct link? I'll leave that up for interpretation. But I will also say to this point, this idea, this identity, um, whether it's the incredible monopoly money that's involved in the television contracts that are shared pretty equally with regards to the Premier League, you pointed out Real Madrid and Barcelona and the disparity between the money that they bring in versus everybody else. Where's the responsibility of the clubs? Now, whether we're talking about Galacticos spending, we're talking about hundreds of millions of pounds or euros being dropped during transfer windows, buying, selling, moving, placing, we're winning the Champions League, we're winning the league. Also, the, 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 resp- the spending responsibility versus the income responsibility. And thinking about, okay, if you're selling your rights to be in sport because you're going to get that Middle Eastern money, but at the same time, what about in the United States where you're nothing more than, than an app that no one can really get a hold of because it's a wonky app anyways, and you don't have the same platform that, say, NBC Sports is bringing to the table, or now Paramount Plus, or now ESPN Plus. Where's the accountability for these decision makers to put their hands up and said, we've made mistakes. We've made mistakes. Oh. And but what, is, you can't just accept them at this point. I'm not I, saying I that I do. No, no, not We can't accept them because there's a round of apologies. You know, you mentioned some of the press releases that went out and they've said, oh, sorry for this, sorry for that. And, and to your point on, on the Paris Saint-Germain guy now, you know, he's in the head of the European Club Association, which Agnelli was. He resigned. We, we didn't mention that. He resigned from that role, as yeah. did Ed Wood, 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 Wood. Um, he resigned from his role uh, in, in, in there as well. They both resigned from Exco, which is the executive committee of UEFA. So yeah. all these powerful positions they resigned from because they were so sure this was going to happen, which again takes me back to what on earth they were thinking for it to have mm-hmm. collapsed to this point. Um, I do love the story, by the way, uh, from Tuesday as well, that we heard that Ed Woodward was stepping down as executive vice chairman of, of, of United, Tiny? essentially the man oh, that runs much. it. And, and he basically, <laughs> then the next day, and I saw our friend Jamie Jackson releasing a story saying, well, actually, Woodward, 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 Woodward resigned. He resigned because he was so against the Super League. It was the Glazers idea. And then we find out on Tuesday or early Wednesday, there was a meeting between Edward Woodward, Woodward, Wood, and Boris Johnson, who, you know, utter degenerate Prime Minister of the United Kingdom. They met days previously on like the Thursday, and they met, and we're supposed to believe they never mentioned this Super League, which we're launching on the Sunday. PR play like, at hand. Yes. It's just, it's PR just firms. It. It, it, it is, it is self-protection 101 right now. Oh, so we're, on the PR firm thing, yeah. just, to, just a little bit on that. Yeah. The people who ran the PR for this, by the way, who did a really bang up job, <laughs> they're the same PR firm that Theresa May hired when she became Prime Minister of the Conservative Party. So it's so entwined here. And at the same time, the British government are saying, well, I think this is absolutely against the fans because they do that thing. Yeah. As, as you know, Trump did yeah. in America and the world does now populism. Nigel Farage, this horror of a politician did. They throw a coin up in the air, shout heads and tails and tell you they won. And they go on a victory lap all about it. And that's what the British government are now doing about this, yep. saying, yes, well, we're going to do a full review into football. Well, where you been the last 25 years, Jack? <laughs> Nowhere. So what we should also ask Jack now is where do we go from here? Ugh. Where do we go from here from the respective leagues of these clubs? Where do we go from here if we're UEFA? Uh, by the way, Johnny Infantino, just a little something here in the United States coming pretty soon. It's called the 2026 World Cup in conjunction with Mexico and mm. Canada. 
and this ongoing conversation about this relationship between Major League Soccer and Liga Mekis that seemingly got the blessing of Gianni Infantino to merge here mm. in the near future. So, by the way, no promotion relegation in either league. Nope. No, I mean, I mean, that's an interesting point. I mean, I know we've got to get on to, to the next bit, but it's an interesting point because obviously I'm coming from a European sports perspective and, and you're yeah. not. And a lot of our listeners on, on, on Sirius XMFC on, on the radio station, you know, they don't quite see the issue here. And, and that's a really not, it's not a bad point at all. Hmm. But the issue is, is that I see MLS right now as a growing brand that needs more clubs. It needs more names. It needs to grow over a period of time. And I genuinely believe that at some point, there will need to be more peril in that league if they're going to try to appeal to an audience outside yeah. the U.S. If which, they're not which, interested in that, they don't need it. Well, but if they do, be, they're going to. Which will be fascinating because when you buy into a certain brand, you're not expecting to have a new, and that'll be my queen. Uh, you're not ex- when you're buying into a certain brand, you're not expecting then for the goalposts to be moved so significantly yes. that the threat of relegation happens. Now, with you got to do it together, haven't you? With, with USL and their involvement when potentially Liga Mekis, is there more of an appetite for a version of promotion relegation with uh, punishment, if you will? So uh, that's down the road. We'll see. We'll I like to think of it as peril. I like to think yes. of it as peril more than punishment. And there's got to well, be an amount of peril in it. But I'll tell you what this is This is done now, is that if we, if we bring it back to the Super League, because we could do a, a whole chat on the future of MLS, and I'm well up for doing that at some point. <laughs> um, but um, our producer because team is shouting at us saying, you're the topic. You're now a Columbus uh, crew fan. Slash Sporting Kansas City. We've got no time for that today. Um, but um, I'm already taking a lot of flack about this. Um, but you're in a situation now where I think that I don't think this was a bargaining tactic, as some people still do. I think this was real. I think this is a real thing they thought they would get away with, inflated with their own sense of self-importance. And we have had this for years and years and years now. If you don't give us what we want, we are going to form a breakaway Super League of some sort. It's not always been this six in the Premier League. It's been the same, uh, at least two in Spain and at least one in Italy all this time. The rest of it changes. But in England, it's always been United, Liverpool um, and Arsenal and the others have changed over time. But that trio have always been the ones that have threatened it. Years and years and years and years and years of it. And a few years ago, um, the Premier League renegotiated their international broadcast rights. So instead of there being... Um, a certain amount of money you get as a flat rate from broadcast rights. Then you get your meritocracy payment and then you get an international broadcast payment. And that's how you end up getting 180 million pound ish from the Premier League if you win it. And you get like 70 to 80 if you finish bottom, which is more than you get for basically winning the Bundesliga. So it's a huge yeah. amount. And it's why the league continues to be much closer in terms of wages for, for players than other leagues. Anyway. A few years ago, say three seasons ago, they renegotiated that. It was kind of Richard Scudamore, who was the former chief exec. It was like his leaving present to those clubs that had pushed him so hard for years. And he kept that collective together brilliantly, brilliantly well. All credit to him, he was able to do it. But out the door, he was like, oh, you know the equal share of international broadcast rights? Yeah, forget that. We're going to give more to Liverpool and Man U. Bye! And he took his pay off and he went. And they got that through. And you have to do a majority vote of uh, a super majority of 14 to 6 to get this through. They did it and they got it through uh, because those clubs kept threatening Super League, Super League, Super League, Super League. You need us more than we need yeah, you. Yeah. And I think the argument has held a lot of weight over the years. Now we realize actually, well, you can't go anywhere. There's nowhere to go. There's no other game in town. There's no girlfriend the next town over you can move into. You know, there's, this is it now. This is, this is where you are. You need the Premier League. And the Premier League, I think, suddenly realized, 
actually, you do need us. And I hope the Liga made that realisation. Because uh, I know they've decided to start sharing the broadcast rights better, but they're starting from such a way back of those yeah. two duopoly giants. Yeah. Will they ever claw it back? Probably not. I hope they do, but probably not. Um, and I don't think Florentino Perez and Andrea Agnelli, those types, are ever going to realise <laughs> unless the league gets stronger, they're never going to be able to get more commercially successful because, you know, they're not very bright despite being wealthy. And I hope now, moving forward, the Premier League, and I think they have realised, actually, they do need us. Claw back those international rights in the next deal. Claw back as much spreading of the wealth as possible because the Premier League has not actually been as a kind of collective spirited as all the Marxists we've suddenly found on the streets of Kensington supporting Chelsea would have you believe over the last few weeks because go to the, the Premier League winners. Apart from Leicester and Blackburn, it is everyone from that group of six, apart from Tottenham, who, let's face it, what on earth are they doing there? No time for that. 1961 First Division champions. Incredible new stadium. How dare you? Incredible what a new stadium. stadium. I yes. mean, the marketplace behind the cop stand <laughs> is fantastic. Sure, they can fill your pint up from the bottom. I have seen it in it's four incredible. seconds. Yes. It is amazing. I got yes. around for six people and I was back with my friends in 30 seconds. It was amazing. And well done to Sheila behind the bar who really knew how to work those pumps. Family podcast. Um, I, I didn't find out. Never, I never find out their nationality. Okay. That's my, I never asked for the passport. Okay. You know, I know it's getting that way now, but I'm not Nigel Farage. So where do we um, go? Where, where, what is the punishment, if anything? Well, the Premier, League's got, the Premier League have got to be strong. Firstly, the Premier League got to be strong. There's already an appetite to kind of wipe your mouth and move on. Yeah. Certainly from the clubs that, you know, I know that there were some at the Moose Cup final um, and they were there trying to do some face-to-face -face apologies and people like Karen Brady and people like Fahad Mashiri, that's West Ham and Everton. They're, they're, yeah. One is the owner, one's the, the, the chairman or vice chairman of West Ham in Karen Brady's um, uh, role. And they've said, no, there's no, there's no coming back from this. We need contrition, contrition, contrition. What is contrition? For me, I'll talk Premier League uh, more than Serie A and uh, La Liga because the whole Javier Tabas, Florentino Perez thing. I mean, that's a telenovela at this point. You know, I imagine that Tabas is going to like fall off a cliff and his twin brother with a moustache is going to come back and continue this round for another 70 years. But what needs to happen for me, and I'd love to know what you think about this, what I think should happen, I think they won't do it. L9 has been breached, the rule that says they shouldn't and will not be allowed to do this. Firstly, strengthen that rule, which says not that there'll be punishment, it says you will be out. No questions asked. Um, we'll kick you out of this league if you do this again. Firstly, strengthen that rule. Secondly, Next time the TV rights come around, I think you need to have complete equal sharing of wealth across all these teams. You still get additional money for qualifying for Europe. That is your money. You still have additional money for your commercial arm. That is your money. But for competing in our league, everyone gets an equal amount of that money. That's how you get a collective league of real strength, which is why the Premier League became the best in Europe collectively, which is why that's been denigrated recently because, you know, the power six. Make sure you do that. 30-point deductions for next season for all of these teams. I would love to see that happen because they are the big-budget teams, and I want to see them actually suffer. People say, oh, that's the fans you're affecting. Well, guess what? Points deductions are the only things that work, and sadly, you've got to have the fans angry at their owners for doing this to them. They need to be punished with them. As far as I'm concerned, that's how it goes. And a two-year European ban on top as well. You cannot play in the Champions League, Europa League, or that brilliant-looking conference for at least two years. Those will be my punishments. I think they will bottle out of every single one of them and give them like a five grand fine. <laughs> I was just going to say, fanciful at worst. I love the idea. 
nothing's going to happen. Yeah. Nothing. Agreed. Not, not a single thing. I think the moment that Seferin implied that he was welcoming back Man City and everyone who followed suit after their official announcement on Twitter that they were going to be welcomed back with open arms. Now, what does this look like for Real Madrid and Juan Laporta at Barcelona and potentially even Inter Milan, specifically Juve for sure? Hmm. Uh, maybe, may, maybe there's a, a little bit more of a hammer. May, maybe now we're talking about UEFA deep diving into the club's finances, decisions both on and off the field, and what that looks like, trying to hit them where it hurts, but having visual proof, having having physical proof of mm. what they've been doing behind the scenes. But with regards to these Premier League teams, Tom, not a damn thing's going to happen. But, I mean, though, unfortunately, I do agree with that negative interpretation of events because I don't <laughs> believe that they are going to be brave enough, even though they should be. Like, right now, these clubs are on their knees and they've realised they have no power base. They should be kicked in both bottom and bollocks right now uh, to make sure that they don't do this again. That's metaphorical, not literal, but I'm not in these meetings. I don't know what happens. It could be a Masonic Lodge in there for all I know. Um, but I would suggest here that if all that doesn't happen, the punishments I think should happen, at the very least, what should happen is the Premier League, other clubs should realise the strength that they have mm-hmm. and never cave to the demands of the so-called Big Six or Big Five plus Tottenham or Big Four plus the North London teams ever again. So when they get to a negotiation which says, we need a super majority for this. And Everton say, well, hold on a minute. Why are you getting a bigger cut than me? And they say, well, more people in America and China want to watch us on TV. And you'll go, okay, who are you going to play? You've got to play us, haven't you? Because you can't play Juventus eight times a year. So it doesn't matter. Uh, and that's exactly what they need to re-establish their worth. That's what should happen in the Premier League at the very, very least. Um, the other thing, by the way, billion pound of debt at Real Madrid, billion pound of debt at Barcelona, uh, Andrea Agnelli's incredible mismanagement at Juventus to kill their own leagues. Um, what I'd love to see is Real Madrid going bankrupt. Hmm. That's what I'd like to see. I would like to see Real Madrid have to sell off the Bernabeu to become a multi-story car park in the middle of Madrid, <laughs> where you literally cannot park, let me tell you. Uh, it's a nightmare to park there. Yeah, I do know. Well, that's yeah. proper punishment. No bailouts, no help. Did you help Sevilla? Did you help Villarreal? Did you help Valencia? Did you help Real Sociedad? Did you help anybody? No, you didn't care, did you? You didn't care about anything. You broke every rule because you said you were incredibly powerful. Well, you know what, Florentino? Have you ever signed on before? It's a tremendous experience and can be very character-building. So that's what I hope to see. That La Liga let those big two literally hang out to dry because then these clubs, and they, you know, it's Spanish fans, they support two teams, Brian. These Spanish fans say I support Bilbao and Barcelona because they are so... They are so ingrained in this culture of essentially hating their own clubs and hating themselves. And they believe that they're always going to be below Real Madrid and how great they are. And that is utterly unacceptable to me. I hope the realization is that Sociedad are valued and are as important as Real Madrid. And the only way to do that, I think, is Real Madrid's bankruptcy. And I don't think that would be the worst thing that ever happened to football. Well, that's the end of this week's Week in the Tackle. Hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you listen to the next episode where we go through the big stories of the previous week and, you know, tackle them. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give us a five-star rating and leave a positive review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Weekend the Tackle is also available on the Sirius XM app, free for most subscribers. Just download it today and tap podcasts. For video clips of the show and more, follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SiriusXMFC. Week in the Tackle is part of the SiriusXM podcast network and is produced by Tim Horsey. The executive producer is Pete Corey. Sound design was by Joey DeFazio. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM FC's Program Director, Joe Tolleson. SiriusXM Podcasts.